Get your Bibles open to the book of Genesis, if you would. Again, been there for the last few weeks, but I'm going to go in a different direction. Look at somebody this morning and say, it's going to get heavy in here. If you don't have a Bible this morning, I really, really would recommend you to get by somebody that has a Bible. I want everybody to look at scriptures this morning. If you see somebody that doesn't have a Bible, just go sit by them and say, let's, let's share this thing this morning. Amen. Uh, give them a mint. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Ask for a mint, whatever. And uh, I want everybody to look at the Bible this morning. Amen. Because I, I really have something on my heart. Nothing has happened. I always love to say this when I'm going to preach a message that's heavy. Uh, I chose this this morning because our kids are, uh, the younger kids are in uh, Sunday school and nursery. But I had, uh, I just feel led to do this. But I want to say that I'm not preaching this message out of anything that has happened in our church. Okay, that's always good to know. I don't, we don't ever want people to think, well, something happens and that does happen sometimes. Sometimes something's going on and it needs to be addressed from the pulpit. But I promise you that that is not the case. I'm not preaching this message from anything that I've heard or anything that's happened in our church. But something that I saw this week and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, preach on that. And so I'm going to be obedient. Amen. Amen. And so uh, we're going to look at Genesis in just a second, chapter 2. But as you're holding that, I'm going to read a verse out of the book of Isaiah. You don't have to go there. Write it down in your notes. Good, good, good message to take notes on. But Isaiah 5, we've read it many, many times before about the generation we're living in. 520 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Amen. Woe to those who call good evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's the generation we live in today. That every, everybody would call something that's very good, evil, and something that's evil, good. Have you noticed that that's the case today? That it seems like anything that is really good seems to be wrong. And anything that's really wrong seems to be good. That's the generation we live in. And so I really want to talk about something this morning. I was uh, studying and praying and this week and just uh, talking to the Lord. And, and, and uh, I, I got, uh, what's the word? Um, Curious, I guess you could say, and I think I was led by the Holy Spirit to do this. And I, I said, you know what? I don't know what made me exactly think of it, but I was I went to YouTube and I and I looked at uh, how many have heard of the show Preachers of L.A. Unfortunately, okay. I do not recommend you go watch this show. I'm not telling you to go watch it. Please don't. But I felt led as your pastor to go, and I wanted to say, what's this about? And I and I went and dabbled it in a little bit, looked at a few episodes. And I knew it was bad anyways, just from the name. But I, I, and, and it's, it's not necessarily uh, bad in, in, in the world's view, but it's definitely bad in God's view. But anyways, I'm looking at it and I start searching, seeing a few episodes. I didn't watch any full episodes, but I was watching things. I just want to see what it was coming across as. And it comes across horrible just in the beginning because it shows it's all about money. It's all about fame and the cars they're driving and all that. So anyways, I'm watching a little bit. And, and it was the Holy Spirit that led me to this one particular episode. And I, like I said, I didn't watch uh, very much of it. But I caught this part. And there was a, 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 one of the people on there that's they're all famous. And he's a singer-actor. And I'm not going to say his name because some of you would know who he is. And I'm not trying to blast anybody. It doesn't really matter. They'll blast themselves. But I'm watching it, and this guy is, is uh, they're at his house, and they're playing pool. And uh, he's, uh, ha- I will tell you this, he has had an affair already. This is in the news. This isn't anything I'm making up. This isn't on the show. He has had an affair, 
and he uh, left his first wife and uh, had an adulterous affair with another woman in the church. And then they, they got married and then they, they had some kids together and so forth. And so that's the ministry now with his new wife and the new kids. That, was, that, was, that happened out of adultery. Uh, so we know that happened in the Bible. That was the situation with David. Amen. So it, it's, it's there. I hope he didn't sit down one day and go, I think I'm going to do what David did. But that happened, all right? So this guy's doing this thing, and he's got this guy over there playing pool, and that's what, everybody knows that situation about this pastor, preacher, minister, singer. So he's got this friend over there, both from Detroit, and the guy's there, and they're playing pool, and he's like, so how you been, man? How's it been going? How's everything in your life? And he's like, man, it's been good. I just moved here to L.A., and uh, I'm starting a church and everything. And uh, so they start talking, and he goes, oh, you know, I got these kids. And he goes, do you have kids? And the other guy goes, no, I don't have any kids. He says, matter of fact, I'm not, even, I'm not even married. He said, matter of fact, I'm still a virgin. And when that guy said, I'm still a virgin, the preacher acted like a, like a fleshly, carnal man that did not know God and said, what? You're a virgin? I'm telling you, he was so shocked and I think this is still on Matt, if you could kill it. Sorry to bother you. It's, it's making noises. And he was shocked as all get out as a preacher that this man was a virgin. He said, what, he goes, excuse, I mean, in the whole, I, mean, I think the show did it on purpose. They just, I mean, it was just, wait a minute, hold up. Time, you know, he's like, time out. He's like, can I ask you a question? How old are you? Do you mind me? He goes, no. He goes, I'm 49. And he says, I've, and I've never been on a date and I've never kissed a girl. Now, first of all, give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, here's the fact. Here's the thing, though. You might not you might know the direction that I'm heading already this morning with this message. But I, I want I want to say that even in the church, that shocks people. It's still on. but Don't worry about it. It's, it's no big deal. I can unplug it. <laughs> So even in the church, there's a shock factor to that, that a man would be, are you kidding me? 49 years old, you've never been on a date, you've never kissed a girl, and you're a virgin? What is wrong with you? There must be something wrong with you. And that, that's the, hold on, time out. Okay, just make sure. All right, that'll get on my nerves big time, amen. So I want to talk this morning about sexual perversion in this church generation. In the church generation. And before I get into it, we're going to look in the Bible in a second at some things. We're going to talk about these things. And this is important. I said, I chose this this morning. I might not get all through it this morning. But you know what? Even if some kids were in here, we're in a generation that the kids are hearing about sex today. They're hearing about it from their friends. They're hearing about it at school. They're hearing about it from everywhere. It's just something you can't hide anymore. So I really don't even care if they're here. But this is a good time for us adults to talk about this. This touches every person in this place, whether you're married or you're single. And I, and, I, and I don't want it to be this morning in any way a, con, a condemning message, but God's word will convict you. Amen. And I really want to talk about what the Bible says about some things. And I want us to really have an understanding of what God says and what God wants for us in the area of sex and in the area of perversion, in the area of uh, relationships. Can you say Amen. So again, I, I just I just was blown away and I thank God for leading to me that leading me to that to see that. And I thank God. I'm not going to say the guy's name either because I really don't know anything about him. But I'll tell you what, that guy earned my respect right. big time because think about it. You know, I'm sure he's we all have issues. 
We've all got something we're struggling with. But let me tell you something. A man or a woman who has control over that is a, has dominance in their flesh. And I commend a man who would get to 49 years old and say, I don't need that. I'm not going to dabble in that. I'm not going to. I mean, you can just imagine the purity that that man's got to have in his life to say, no, I'm going to set myself apart. Now, just a few things I'm going to throw out before we read Genesis that I don't have this in my notes. There are three types of people in the Bible that the Bible talks about, and they call them eunuchs. Okay, I want to say this because it may be very possible that this man at 49, it could be a, it could be a eunuch, but there's three types of eunuch. One is a eunuch made by God. That means God, Paul was a eunuch. Made by God. Okay, y'all follow me? That means that God did not place in him most likely those desires or he set him apart and said, you are going to be set apart from me. You're not going to get married. And if you read Corinthians and you read a lot of stuff from Paul, you will see that he has zero desire for that. None. He even says it's better that you don't marry. It's better that you don't have sex. It's better that you don't get with a person. He, he says that. You read the Corinthians, you'll see it. He was a eunuch by God. Okay. Okay, possibly by God. The second one is a eunuch by choice. When I say eunuch, that means somebody's setting themselves apart to not have any kind of sexual relationship in their life, and that's by choice. There are people who choose to be eunuchs. They say, that's a choice. So obviously they would know, you know, if God chose that for them or they chose it themselves. The third one is where someone's made a eunuch. Okay, they're made a eunuch, and you don't have to be too smart to understand what that part is. Okay, and that does happen. They are not able to. Okay, but I'm saying that because there are someone might say, man, 49 years old. How'd that happen? I'm honest to you. I don't if God would have put it in me, praise God. But I definitely that wasn't me physically. Okay, to be a eunuch. And so I, 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 I had desires from when I was very young. Let's just put it that way. Okay, can I be real in here this morning? Okay, so I think some other people might as well. Now, I know this is a is a heavy look at somebody say this is heavy. All right. Genesis chapter two. My daughters are in here. I'm not afraid to talk about this because we're open at the house. Amen. This, is, this used to be taboo to talk about this, but this is something that needs to be talked about. Because, again, if you don't talk about it with your kids, your kids' friends are going to talk to them about it. Or your kids' parents, friends' parents, or the school teacher, or whoever else is going to tell your kids. So you better be the one that shows them what the Bible says. Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let's see what God says about this whole subject of sex and perversion and all these things. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Say amen if you're there. It said, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And he, I will make him a helper comparable to him. So we see that God from the very beginning sets it up that man and woman would be together and that they would be a partnership. Okay. Now, like I said, there's situations where God makes or, or people choose to be eunuchs and they don't go that route. But in general, from Genesis, he says it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, now I'm going to throw I'm going to be real specific about some things and be move through this. And I already have a feeling I'm not going to get through it all this morning. But he says it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, here's the interesting thing right here. This is I'm going to hit this right now because there's no doubt. And I'm not just going to hit this. I promise they're going to hit every angle this morning. There's no doubt that someone could read that verse right there and they could simply say and very easily say, well, there there's an opportunity to believe that that helper could be a of the same sex. Okay? Because there's no specifics there, right there in that verse. 
And so somebody, if they wanted to go that route, they could pull that out. And, and, and um, trust me, this, is, this has not, not in any way a heavier side on any area of sexuality this morning. But we are living in a day that Paul told me this week that the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention, I mean, oh, they're pretty uh, straightforward and pretty strong in their morals. They're leaning towards allowing, beginning to allow same-sex marriage. The Southern Baptist Convention. Now, that's to tell you what we're, where we're at in the world today. Where, where Isaiah says, those who call evil good and good evil. Okay? Now, th- this is a subject in a, in, a, in, a, in a preaching this morning that today, let me be honest with you, I can get in trouble for. Oh, yeah. I can get in trouble for preaching this, but I'm going to preach it. Amen. And it's going to be online. Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not afraid. Because I'd rather stand to God than to man. And so they can come get my sermon notes. They're printed out and they're online. Amen. And I'll get to put it in the Bible too. Praise God. But here's the thing. As I talk about this this morning, I pray that this would help somebody online. I pray that this would get to somebody. Okay, so let's look down a little further. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept, Adam being a man. And he took one of his ribs. Closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God made had, sorry, had taken from who? Man. Man, He made into a what? Woman. Woman. And he brought her to the man. So now that's gone. Okay, if you tried to stay in the other verse, you can't leave it there. It's man, it's woman. God made a woman out of a man. Okay, and then he says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, verse 24, a good verse for for marriages. A man shall leave his. Now watch this. This you cannot get any more clear and specific on what a relationship is today than this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father, male, and mother, female, and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Okay? Amen. It's real specific and clear what a relationship in God's eyes is supposed to be. So we're going to start there. One man and one woman. And that's very important as we move, begin to move forward. How many men? How many women? One man, one woman. One man, one woman. That's God's intention from very all the way back in the book of Genesis. Okay, now let me see where we're going to go next. Let's go down. Let's go to the book of Leviticus, if you would. And I'm not going to read all this because I don't have time for it. But I want you to write down Leviticus and go there. uh, Chapter 18. Now, how many would agree with me that we live in a perverse generation? But here's the crazy thing. As I begin to read the Bible and study the Bible and look at this heavily again, I'm reminded that we're not really as perverse a generation as we think compared to all time. It's always been perverse. I I tend to lean towards the fact that we are the most perverse generation. And I think the only reason that may may make us that is media. Is we're able to exploit it more. But if you go back to the Bible, perversion has been around since the beginning, the very beginning. And so it's not something new. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. It's, it's all the same. But I do believe that media has taken this to another level because we have the exposure that we have now that we've never had before. OK, so let's look at Leviticus 18. Now, just for 
I don't want to have to, okay, I don't have to read all this. So let me, let me break it down to, the, to, the, to you this way if you're taking notes, because this is a lot of verses, and you can go back and look at it later. In Leviticus 18, God breaks it down, and this is crazy to me. I, I, it, it shows me how, how sick we are as people. That all the way back in Leviticus, things were happening then that happen now. And we think sometimes, man, we've just gotten worse and worse. But again, there's nothing new under the sun. Sin is sin and perversion is perversion. And by the way, perversion means taking something that is normal and making it abnormal. If you don't know what perversion is. Okay, so that's perverted. That's taking something that's normal and making it abnormal. And so breaking this down, I'll read a few verses in a second. But write this down if you're taking notes before we look. You'll get lost if not. Verses 6 to 18 of Leviticus specifically talk about incest. Specifically. Every possible equation of incest possible. Verses 6 to 18. Then in verse 23, bestiality is mentioned. Sick. This is in the Bible, church. And sick. Verse 20 mentions adultery. Okay, with with your neighbor, meaning anybody that's not your wife. Or your husband. Verse 22 mentions very specifically homosexuality. So in those verses, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them in just a second, a few specifically. You've got incest, bestiality, adultery, and homosexuality mentioned in those verses in Leviticus 18. All the way back in the beginning of the Bible. Not only did he know it was going to exist today, he knew it was going to exist then and it was existing And so he touches it. And listen, you're going to have a lot of people that you talk to today that you're trying to say, hey, this is wrong. This is right. And don't forget, everybody tries to wipe out the Old Testament and say we don't need it. You can't do that. You cannot wipe the Old Testament out. If you don't have the Old Testament, you don't have the New Testament. If you don't have the New Testament, you don't have the Old Testament. We need all 66 books of the Bible. Amen. We need the full gospel this morning. We need every verse mentioned. So without reading all of them in 6 to 18, he talks about uncovering and all these different ones. And he talks about it being wickedness. And on that note, listen, if this is heavy, if you have been molested. If you have been raped, if you have been messed with in your childhood, I'm sorry, first of all, from God. God's sorry. But God can turn that mess around. He can take the brokenness of your past and he can give you a new, make you a new creation today. He can wipe that garbage out. And listen, unless those people repent, they got a special place in hell waiting for them. And I say that with the authority of God. I said it last week. I didn't even know I was going to preach about this this week. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before at the altar call. I got into this a little bit. And I talked about how sick it was that these people were messing with kids. It's sick. This all is sick. But when you go to mess with a kid, the Bible says it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown live into the sea than do something to a kid. Amen. And so if listen, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, you give that. Per, don't hate that person anymore. Don't be unforgiven towards that person anymore. Forgive them and give them to God and they'll have a chance to either repent or listen. I promise you they're going to have a special place for them because that's a sick thing. Amen. But I'm sorry from God for you if you've been through that. Amen. And then you need to make sure that you break that chain and you don't ever lay your hands on somebody else that's not supposed to be laying their hands on. Amen. So he talks about that in 6 to 18. I told you it was going to get heavy. 
Incest. Then in verse 23, read these with me real quick. Actually, let's look at verse 22. Do it in order. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. That's pretty clear. It is a what? An abomination. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Now, he's talking to a man here in this whole thing because all the other verses are talking about the woman. So it's obvious he's talking about that. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, verse 23. Now shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself. Duh. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. And that's a whole nother level. I'm not even going to go there. That's a whole nother level, okay? But it exists, and it's sick. It's not of God. Amen. So we see these verses here, and then verse 20 would say, Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. So we mention all these different types of sexuality that God mentions, okay? Now, so what will happen is you'll read the Old Testament like this, and everybody, everybody that wants to get away with sin will always... Use Jesus. They'll always say, well, Jesus never said this or Jesus never said that. They always try to make Jesus out to be like a wimp. Jesus is not a wimp. Jesus did not pull any punches when it came to his preaching. Amen. He was straightforward. And so let's go and look at what Jesus said about these situations. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 19. Amen. How many know the Holy Spirit will lighten it up? Can I keep preaching? Amen. This is going to liberate somebody. Because, man, there's some crazy stuff that's been brought into our lives. Amen. Some crazy stuff's been brought into our lives by the enemy. And listen, I, I, I said this. I, I struggled with a, with a title for this. I said uh, sexual perversion in a church generation. But if you'd also write at the top, I, I couldn't really figure out what God wanted me to call this. This is what I really want you to think about as we go forward. Sin against the Holy Spirit. Okay, sin against the Holy Spirit. I want you to write that down because as I really began to read this and study this and pray about this, that's what the Lord brought to my spirit. That when we when you talk about sexual perversion and sexual sin, you'll see in a minute why I call it that. But sin against the Holy Spirit. So we see as you're in Matthew uh, to write this down in your notes. The first mention of I forgot I skipped this of homosexuality was in Genesis 19, if you want to write that down. All the way back in Genesis 19. Now, some people will say that word, homosexuality, wasn't in the Bible until, you know, 100 years ago. It doesn't have to be there. The word rapture is not in there either, but we're going to go up in the air and meet Jesus in the air. It doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. Amen? The word trinity is not in the Bible. That doesn't mean God's not the trinity. So don't get caught up on words. That word homosexuality has been made by, per, by a person, but what it is, is real simple. We saw it in Leviticus right there. But in Genesis, in Genesis 19, if you remember, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for many sins, but the greatest of them was sexual sins. And if, you, if you've read that before, you can read it later. They were so perverse, so perverse. This is why I say it's, it's pretty comparable today. That they went to, to, to Lot's house, if you remember, and they wanted to have sex with his daughters. Right. They were knocking on the door. And there was angels in that place. And when they couldn't have it with those daughters, they, they wanted to have it with those angels. 
And so there was a sick perversion of homosexuality, and that's where the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, all the way back in Genesis 19. And listen, I, I'm going to let you do this on your own later, but I want you to write the word down, sodomy. There is a word called sodomy, which comes from that time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want you to go search later in your time the definition of what sodomy is. And I want you to realize that it's very clear in the Bible that God does not want us as Christians to be involved in sodomy. Okay, I'm going to let you look at that at your own time. Matthew 19, are you there? Verse 1. Jesus is very serious about relationships. Now verse 1, let's read this from all the way from verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judah beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Can you stop there for one second as I interject something from the Holy Spirit real quick? As you're listening to this message, one of the greatest works of the devil is condemnation. And as you're listening to a message, the devil will try to condemn you so much for past actions that you won't hear this message. So please, pause for a moment. Understand that everything you've ever done before today is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to move forward from this. Amen? Because if you don't, you will not get this message. He'll stand here and condemn you and condemn you and condemn you. Because trust me, I'm standing up here as a man who had a bad past. And I, and I thank God for his blood. I'm embarrassed in front of my daughters for the things I did before I got saved. I wish I'd have had this preaching. I wish someone would have told me this stuff when I was younger. And that's not against my parents. They were good parents. Amen. But I'm telling you, I, I thank God for the blood this morning. Amen. I thank God for his forgiveness. That I can stand up here with authority and preach a life that I live now. But before I got saved, I was wicked. And you were wicked. But the devil's a liar and that's under the blood. So let it go. Amen. Everything, whether you did it or someone did it to you, let it go. And from tonight, from right now, 11, 15, 11, 20, Sunday morning, November 9th, you're free. Amen. And you leave that in the past. and You begin to move forward. Amen. Under the blood with a new mind and a new heart and a new spirit. Now you'll be able to receive the rest. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So he answered and said, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. Is it an accident that Jesus did that? Did he mention that? No, he's, he knew what we'd be doing, dealing with in 2014. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father, and he quotes Genesis, and, and his mother, and be joined to his wife. Oh, what did Jesus say about this? Well, this is in red letter in my Bible. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, meaning that he came from a father and a mother, and made them male and female. And it says, and they shall be joined to his wife. He shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You're going to begin to understand as we move forward in this for the next few minutes why I mentioned sin against the Holy Spirit. God, when he consummates two people, man and woman, male and female, husband and wife, it's a serious thing. It's a holy thing. 
It is, it is for procreation. It is a way for us to multiply. But God said, God says in his word, and you can read many things, and one of them is the Song of Solomon, that you will see that God did intend this to be something beautiful, but for a man and a woman inside of marriage. Okay? And so moving forward, as we were wanting to get this right, anything, say anything. Say it again, anything. Outside. Of a man and a woman in a marital relationship is not of God. Anything. Anything. Whether you're married or whether you're single. Okay? Whether you're married or whether you're single. Now, as I begin to move forward, I know from my own experience that when you begin to open doors in your life, those things will come to back to try to fight you for a long time. And you've got to be careful for those of you that are very young in here and are still innocent. And thank God you're still have not been exposed to this garbage. Don't open the door. Do not open the door. Please understand that that phone, that that computer, that that TV is of the devil when it comes to those things. The devil will slip stuff in and he'll take an innocent mind and he'll mess it up fast. And images you can't get out of your head will begin to come in and perversion will begin to happen. And things, one thing will lead to another. And all of a sudden you'll be doing things, thinking things, saying things, touching things you never should have or wanted to do in your life. Because you open up a door. Now let me give you some parent counseling. How many parents we got in here? Let me see parents' hands real quick. I know some have older kids, but if your kids are still young, you can listen to me if you want or not. And again, we're in a different generation. I have to be sort sort of sensitive today because my parents are here and I don't ever want them to think they didn't do a good job. Okay? But I know that they would admit too that they've learned some things over the years. And each generation has to learn from the generation before. And there's some things that I've learned in my life that they didn't know or that their parents didn't teach them. But I'm going to tell you one humongous counsel this morning before I move on. Humongous. Especially if your kids are 16 or younger. Do not. This is just my counsel. You can take it or you leave it. Do not let your kids spend the night at other people's houses. You can take it or leave it. What? Are you crazy? Just listen to me. I used to go and listen again, mom, don't take this wrong, please. Please. My mom's very sensitive to these things, but I have to be real and honest. They were great parents and they trusted me. I abused the trust. But I went and I spent nights at friends' houses and I was open to and exposed to things that I never would have been allowed to be exposed to in my house. Y'all follow me? They said, no, that ain't happening here. But I was allowed to go other places and things were open. Their parents didn't watch like my parents did. And I was exposed to things that ruined me. So if you let your kids go spend the night at other people's houses, you have no control. And you can ask both of my daughters. I stand here with authority to say this. And I thank God this morning for my godly pastor, Pastor Jones when my kids were still young, said, don't let your kids go spend the night at other people's houses. And I listened to him. And I'll tell you, they can look back. Now they can look back and they thank me, I'm sure. But they had a lot of times that they were probably mad at me when I would not let them spend the night at other people's houses. 
I said, if you want people to come over to our house, they can come spend the night at our house where I can watch, where I can be in charge and in control. But you're not going to somebody else's house to let you just go and just do whatever and let you just be ruined by somebody else's parents who don't care anything about you. So take that or leave it this morning. But if you, you'll win half the battle right there by not allowing your kids to go spend the night at other people's houses. Now, if you've already done that, you can, again, this is new today. Going forward, you can change some things. You, you need to let the Holy Spirit deal with you. But I'm real serious about that. You need to get your kids to an age that not only do they know what they know is wrong and right, but they're old enough to sock someone in the nose if they begin to touch their body. Or elbow them where they need to get hit if someone tries to touch their body. Can you say amen? Amen. Wandering hands need to be cut off to some kid's body. Amen. Excuse me if I get real serious about that. It's sick. And we live in a generation today, and many of you in here today have been affected by this. You've been touched, you've been raped, you've been messed with at somebody else's house, and sometimes, God forbid, by a grandpa or a grandma or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or somebody that's supposed to be family. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I was all the way back in Leviticus. That's why he spent 12 verses on it. Incest. Amen. Say amen. Where was I? Shutting that door. Okay, but we're going to finish. I read read verse 5, the definition of Jesus. Let's read a few more verses here. Let's look at 6. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. So when two people consummate in that act, they become one flesh. Every time. And again, we're past this. I still like, it feel like it's still floating around there, though. It's past. Okay, I can still see it floating, though. Let that dust settle. But going forward, if you have been with somebody else outside of marriage, every time you've been with that person physically and sexually, you are soul tying together with that person. You have becoming one flesh with that person. Every person, every time, two becoming one. Because just because it's not in God's hands and God's eyes doesn't mean it's not still what he made it to be. People don't take that serious enough. We live in a generation, oh, do what you want, do what you want, do what you want. Yeah, you get what you get, you get what you want out of it too. Amen. And I know there's some crazy, crazy stuff that a lot of us have been through. But again, those of you that are young, those of you that are holding yourself, let, let God pat you on the back and say, keep up, keep it up, son. Keep it up, daughter. Keep holding yourself. Keep being pure. Keep being right. Keep being holy. Because you're the true testimony. Can you say amen? You're the true testimony. Amen. I wouldn't embarrass you this morning, but I'd love, I won't do it. But I'd love to have everybody that's a virgin stand up and say, that's me. And give you a hand because you deserve the greatest hand for standing for God and holding yourself and saving yourself for one day being with that one man or that one woman for the rest of your life. Amen. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a testimony. It's an awesome testimony to who God is. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. They said to him, why then did, you, did Moses command to give a certificate, certificate of divorce and put her away? He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife 
except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Now, here's what Jesus teaches. This isn't being talked about in the schools very much. Jesus teaches celibacy. Hold off. All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are, not, I didn't, forgot I was going to mention this. There are eunuchs who were born from their mother's womb. I mentioned that. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. I mentioned that. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Well, we need to be in a generation today where a man and a woman is saying, listen, I'm, ho- I'm not going to have sex till I get married. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save myself. Amen. How many this morning without raising your hands could give me a nod or a shake or an eye or something to tell me? I wish someone would have told me that when I was younger. Amen. Listen, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. But you can start fresh. Even in your mind, because one of the biggest deceptions again today is that, well, okay, I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to have intercourse. And God knew that too. God knows everything. Let's, let's see what Jesus said about that. Amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. Oh, I'm, as long as I'm not having sex, it's okay to watch some things. It's okay to think some things. It's okay to, you know, look at things because I'm not, I'm not really actually having to act. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. It's a huge lie. And if you don't believe it's a lie... Ask the biggest generator of money in this world today, the pornography business, if it's not a lie. Biggest. Pastor Jones mentioned that conference. Some companies like Amazon and Google, and shout one out if you remember another one, uh, Apple and eBay, some of the biggest companies you could ever think of in your world combined don't make as much money as the pornography business. And here's the thing, I can, I can sit behind my desk, I can look at my phone, I can do all these things and nobody will ever know, I'm not physically doing it, and I'm okay. That's what we say. Because you know what? Human beings in flesh love to get away with what they can get away with. Aren't we always looking to push the line? Aren't we always looking to say, okay, there's a line, let me get as doggone close to it as I can without falling off. Let me, just, let me just play with that line a little bit. That's what we do. And so Jesus knew that. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now, just for definition real quick, for those that may not know, I didn't know a long time ago, adultery and fornication are two different things. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Okay, verse. And adultery is sex outside with somebody else when you're married. Okay? That's, that's the definition. So verse 27 of Matthew 5 says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Blow that out the water. If, now, now watch this. Just write this in your notes. Jesus is serious about this. 
Write that down. Say it to somebody next to you if you can write and talk at the same time. Jesus is serious about this. He's real serious about this. And let me show you how serious he is in verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, we know he's not into mutilation. But he's being serious here. He's trying to, in the best way he can, say, stop. Get control over whatever it is that has control over you. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, watch this. And cast it from you. And he makes a very st- bold statement here. He says, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Amen. What is he saying with that? He's saying sex is very serious. He's basically saying real clear here that it's a hell issue. It's a hell issue. And you'll see that in a whole lot of other verses. But everybody says, well, what does Jesus say about this? Well, I'm showing you what Jesus says about this. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Verse 30, and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. What does that mean? That means how serious are you about your walk? How serious are you? That means in today's terms, if you can't watch TV without watching garbage, throw it away. Oh, that's so, that's so religious. That's so, oh man, that's so cultish. No, that's serious. Jesus said, if you can't handle it, get rid of it. If you can't go online without being tempted, get rid of it. It's a battle of flesh and blood. It's a battle of spirit, of light and darkness. Amen. And I'm telling you that when you allow these things to come in, they will chase you forever. I have to make a choice every day, church, to live right. I don't know if there's any other human beings in here. I have to make a choice every day to look on my wife as the person of the affection of my heart and not be pulled away to other things on billboards and on TV and on the phone and everywhere you go. Amen. I have to make a choice that I'm going to live pure and holy just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't battle this. We all battle the flesh, but I make a choice to say, God, I want to live a holy life. I'm not going to be a perverse generational church. I'm not going to be a perverse man. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm going to guard my body. I'm going to live for you and exalt you in the way I live. And I'm going to kill this flesh because the flesh is strong. And if you feed the flesh, the flesh will win. Some of you in here this morning, I said this is going to be liberating. Because God can forgive you. I know there's some people in here who have battled this. And listen, the church won't be real about it. The church world won't be. Now, I know that a lot of times they'll, they'll get so real that they'll, they'll, they'll allow some things. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to expose the enemy this morning and show what it is he's trying to do in our heart. This all comes back to a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. You have heard, he said, if, if, if you look, if you even look, I remember in, in, the, in, in Costa Rica, I used to deal with this a lot. Not that they're any more perverted over there, but they're just a little more blatant about it. Man, we used to walk around in, in the streets and, and my daughters will tell you, these guys would be like, mm, maybe putting their lips together and just staring as you walk. I mean, they're just blatantly. And I almost gotten some fights over it, didn't I, Kristen? I almost gotten some fights over it. We'd be in dangerous areas, man. These guys be checking out my daughter. And I knew we were in a dangerous. I turned around and said, quit looking at my daughter like that. 
And I could have got killed, but I'm, I was mad. Amen. Undressing my daughter as they walk down the street. Amen. Now, here's the problem, women. Sometimes y'all don't have much to undress. You don't make it too hard for us sometimes. <laughs> Help us. Help us in the church. Amen. I'm not, I'm not condemning, but we got to watch that. Amen. We got to watch that. Proverbs 6, 27 and 28 says, I'm going to finish with this because I'm going to have to do some more tonight. I haven't even got into the good part. Who will come back tonight? Get some more of this. Amen. If you, if you don't want your youngs to hear it, they can go back in the nursery. We'll figure something out, but I don't, I don't think it'll hurt them. Can a man, verse, this is Proverbs 6, 27 and 28, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a, one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? The attitude that we have many times erroneously as believers is, well, I'm saved by grace. And God's a God of grace. And so we, we, we hear that and we take it wrong. We use it as an opportunity to see what I can get away with. And we use it as an opportunity to see what sin I can do without being too convicted or condemned. Amen? How many are following me on that? But someone who's really after God says, man, God, I don't want to get close to anything that would burn my clothes. I don't even want to smell like fire. And I don't, I don't want to be around those things. I want, to, I want to be right before you, God. Amen? And so we have to be careful that we're not walking on these hot coals and that we're not letting the fire get around us and burn us and, and, and catch, put it out before it turns into a fire. You know, I'm not, this isn't in my notes. I'm going to close up with this this morning. James tells us that in every temptation... There's a way out. In every temptation, he gives you a way out. How many have been trying to sin before? And just be real this morning. You've been trying to sin. You've been trying to do something wrong. And God was giving you ways out. And you were still trying to sin. And he kept giving you ways out. And finally you realized, God, okay, I get the picture. You're helping me, thank God. It's it's not going to work. By his grace, amen. He'll give you a way out. But you've got to take the way out. Say, God, I'm... And then when we make that mistake, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because what this comes down to this morning, and I'm going to get into some, some, some more tonight, that really, really what this was about with the sin against the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you that tonight, how serious and powerful it is. But what it really comes down to is me making a choice and a decision that this body right here is God's. It's God's. Amen. We're going to get into that a little bit tonight. This is God's. And it needs to be a member that glorifies him. And too many times, if we would remember that God is in us when we're doing things wrong, it would help us. Too many times we do things and we forget that Jesus is standing right there by our side. Actually, a matter of fact, he's in us. He's in us and the Holy Spirit's with us. He said, remember that if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you it will quicken your mortal body and we need to remember that he's there and we need to remember that he walks with us and 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 he wants to help us out of these situations god jesus knows temptation 
It says there's not a temptation not known to him. There's not a temptation known to man that has not come across Jesus' eyes, come into his body, and he had to fight all those things. But we need to get to a place where we understand this is not profitable for me. And God wants to use me. And listen, every sin is sin, but some things are real serious in his eyes. And if you go back to the beginning and God created man and woman to be together and become one flesh, all the way from the beginning, that was very special to him. And so we need to make sure that we don't allow the world to infiltrate us and allow the world to come in and get us and allow the world to lie to us. The church needs to be less like the world. Amen. Not more like it. We try too much to look like the world so that people oh, will receive us. No, don't look like the world. Amen. Be somebody that the world wants to be. Be different. Come out of that thing this morning. Amen. As the musicians come this morning, I want to give you some liberation this morning that, that Jesus is a healer. He heals us this morning. And, 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 and the, one of the best bi- verses in the Bible is in 1 John. If you'll go there real quick. 1 John. Somebody, maybe many bodies, maybe everybody needs this. Look at somebody and say, it wasn't that bad. Chapter 4. First John chapter 4 talks about testing the spirits to know if they're of God. Confessing that Jesus came in the flesh. That means I, I really trust and believe that he has lived through what I lived through. He's not up there above in a place that he can't understand what I'm going through. You've got to get that. That's really important. That whole chapter talks about that he, he came in the flesh. Amen. How many believe that he came in the flesh this morning? And verse 9 says, And this love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Amen? And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the appropriation for our sins. God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. Amen? So, so this morning, I want you to understand that God loved you before you ever loved Him. And anything you've done, act of your body, act of rebellion, act of sin, is under the blood this morning. But you just have to confess it. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. Listen, if there's one thing the church needs to do today, and I mean the church in general, it's repent. Amen? We need to repent. Because it, it should not be, and I know it's just one case, but I promise it's not just that one. It should not be that a preacher is shocked 
that a man is 49 years old and is a virgin. What an idiotic response. Seriously. He should have been like, man, that's, are you, man, praise God, that's amazing. That's awesome. That, he was shocked, but he wasn't shocked in a good way. He was shocked in like, are you stupid way? Why? Because he bought the lie. And once we make a mistake, the biggest mistake we can make after that is to make that mistake okay. That's the problem is, well, I messed up and now I'm going to make it okay. We got people, listen, I believe 100% in restoration. I believe in redemption. But I don't see how somebody can be in a church and, and, and this, I, just, I just found somebody else in the church, let's say today, and I, and I just fell in love with her and I'm just going to leave my wife and then, and you know, all hell's going to break loose and my kids are going to hate me and they're going to leave the church. But I'm going to keep pastoring this church because I'm the pastor. And I'm going to do it with my new wife, and you just have to accept it. How do you deal with that? Where's the repentance? Where's the restoration time? And I'm not talking about the forgiveness. God will forgive. But if you look at David's life, he had to pay some consequences for the sins that he paid. That He lost a child. His ministry was delayed big time. He was never able to be king because he had shed blood. And so I want you to think about those consequences this morning. God will forgive you. But listen, here's the thing I want you to finish, finish with in your mind. It's very important that you understand there's going to be moments, not that you justify them, moments that you make mistakes and you fall as a human being and you ask God to forgive you. But be careful, very careful that you live habitually in these sins. Because we're going to get into that tonight. I have time to look at it this morning. We're going to get into those verses where it says, those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. I know that's not a clap, amen, shout, praise God, hallelujah statement, but the Bible says these will not, those that, watch this, practice these things. You cannot live, listen, I'm going to make a bold statement from the Bible, not a condemning one. You cannot live in these sexual sins and think you're going to go to heaven. I'm sorry, you're not. Jesus blows the trumpet today and you're living in that sin. You're staying here. Well, that's a bold statement. No, it's a Bible statement. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he mentions a whole bunch. I'm going to get them to tonight. But you need to understand. Now, if you come this morning, you say, God, I have been the worst of all sinners. I, and, and we all are there. Lord, forgive me. And in your heart, you say, I'm not going to go do this again. He already knows if you're being serious or not. That's the good and bad thing about God. He knows. But if you'll come to this altar this morning and you'll confess those sins and you'll say, Lord, and we've seen it happen. I'm not going to give examples this morning. I'm not going to say names. There's a lot of people in this church who were living in sin when they came into this church and they got right and they got married and they fixed it. Amen. And now they're living in the right way. But they needed this preaching. They needed to hear, I'm not right. They needed to know, if I don't change this, and listen, if you're in a situation this morning that you're living with somebody, or you're in an adulterous situation, or a fornication situation, or you're doing these things, you need to stop today. 
today. You might, you might be in a situation where you're not be able to fix it for a long time or it's going to be months or whatever. Today you say, you know what? I used to have in Costa Rica all the time, these couples would be living together and they would come in and they'd come to a message like this and they'd say, Pastor, we have been living in sin. What do we do? I said, thank you for asking. And a lot of times they would live in the same, obviously the first one would be get, get away from each other. Okay? Stop sleeping in the same bed. Duh. Oh, I'm strong. No, you're not. You're dumb. Get out of the same bed. And if you live in the same house and you've been living together for a long time and you can't afford other rent, then get in the opposite side of the house until you get this right. But do not come together again because you're practicing these sexual sins. And I've seen these people do it. And they, they, to the day they got married legally and got right, they never did it again. And God honored that. It's not living in the same house that's a sin. It's coming together that's a sin. It's just not wise. Y'all follow me? So you get it right and you fix it. And that can go all out of different directions wherever you're at in your walk today. Maybe you have a problem with pornography. Maybe you have a problem with masturbation. Maybe you have a problem with, with whatever it is. You need to ask God today, Lord, I need help with this. I want to get clean today. I want to be right today. I don't want to sin against the Holy Spirit. I preach it. You take it. God works. Individually, every one of us has something different.